Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We're studying from Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4, in our Wednesday evening services, and we're talking about the parable of the sower. I want you to notice with me, if you would, please, beginning at verse 14, what Jesus said. The sower sows the seed, or the Word of God. These that are sown by the wayside, well, the Word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the Word, immediately receive it with gladness. Have no root in themselves, but sown dirt for a while, but after a time afterward, when affliction and persecution arise for the Word's sake, immediately they are offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness, the riches, and lust of other things entering in choke it, and the word becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear it, receive it, bring forth some thirtyfold, sixty, and a hundredfold. Father God, we thank you for your word. We can trust our lives to its provisions, for your word has been tested and tried and found to be good, trustworthy, and true. You are faithful to your word. We thank you now for the teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost who is in us and among us to teach us and guide us into all that is true, that we may be doers of your word and not hearers only. We now submit ourselves and yield ourselves to his teaching ministry now and say that we will receive and our hearts are receptive, our minds are open and our ears are attentive. And we thank you, dear Father God, for faith to be developed in our hearts in your word and not in men's wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God's primary way of dealing with us or helping us is through His Word. It's when people realize that they're, that they're going to get someplace in God. That's when they'll get somewhere in God. If people want God involved in their affairs and activities of life, then they've got to get the Word on the inside of them. Never forget that. God's Word has to find its place within the heart. If we take the Word lightly, if our attitude is, you know, light toward the Word of God, then God's place is very small within our lives. But if we love God's Word and apply God's Word to our lives and make room in our hearts for His precious Holy Word, then He will get more actively involved in our lives. If we'll give God's Word room for growth, it will become productive to our lives. If we don't, obviously it won't. Well, knowing that this is how God blesses us, this is how God deals with us, and He helps us, and heals us, and delivers us, you know as well as I do that the enemy will take a firm stand against that happening and do everything in his power to prevent God's Word from finding its rightful place within the human heart. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. If we want help, it comes to us in seed form. God has given us the seed of His Word. It's a container of life. And whatever it is that we need from God, find out what God's Word said about it, take it as a seed, put it inside the heart, and let it produce fruit. The problem is when you do that and begin doing that, the enemy will certainly come in effort to prevent its development and growth. Jesus started out by saying he'll just come and steal it, just take the message right away from you. And then he said he'll use 
things like affliction and persecution. If you start in the Word of God, He'll bring affliction and persecution to see to it that that seed of God's Word and its plant is scorched so it cannot produce any fruit. And we have to understand that. We'll become offended, in other words, because it seems like God's Word's not working when in reality it is, but it just takes time to produce fruit like any other plant. Then he went on to say that um, in verse 18 to 19, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the Word, and the cares of this world. The cares of this world. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. And that's talking about when a person receives the Word of God and begins operating in the Word of God and the operation of God's Word begins to take place inside that human heart, the enemy will just use anything and everything and see to it that he burdens us down with the cares of this word so as to, a world so as to prevent the operation of God's Word in our hearts. Now, when a person is overoccupied with the cares of this world, remember... The enemy's purpose is to see to it that he keeps in check the development, activity, and growth of the Word in that person's heart. So that's exactly what he is attempting to do, to get someone either so busy, so overly occupied with other things, or to have cares of life to enter in and choke the Word or prevent or keep in check. It's growth, development, and activity. Now, that's true whether you've been a Christian for one year or 25 years. When you see someone who is called a backslider, who is not operating in the things of the Word of God that they knew years ago, just know that this parable is working. Something along these lines is happening in that person's life. They once started in the Word of God, began walking in the light of the Word that they had, and all of a sudden, years later, we find them not operating in the Word of God anymore, and the Word of God not having a, a strong place in that person's spirit life anymore. This happened somewhere in here. You know, these things took place in that person's life. So let's remember that. Jesus taught it. He's a pretty good authority, wouldn't you say? Now, turn with me, if you would, please. To Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. We're talking about the cares of this world. We left off talking about the cares of this world. And when we got near the end, we had to go real quick. So what I would like to do is just review a little bit. I believe it's very important. When a person is overoccupied with the cares of this world, his attention and energies of the heart are engaged in matters that keep in check the development of the Word of God or the operation of the Word of God in that person's heart. And what that does, it is obstructs the operation of God's Word so that it cannot produce fruit in that person's life. Now, I want you to remember and take notice. I said their heart is engaged in other things. Their heart is engaged in matters and other things that prevent the development of the Word. They give attention to and use their energies in other things. Other things enter into the spirit life. Well, what are those other things? I think if you look at Proverbs chapter 4, 
beginning at verse 20, you'll see that it's either the Word of God that's going to operate inside that person's heart or other things will happen inside that heart of the individual that will prevent God's Word from becoming productive in that person's life. My son, attend to my words. Give attention to my words. In other words, don't allow the cares of this world to enter in. Don't give attention, expend energy to other matters in other matters. But give attention to my words. Attend to my words. Like grandma put... God's Word first place as she put that insulin first place in her life. She realized the need. Give attention to my Word. Exert yourself in the Word. Let your heart be occupied with the Word. Now listen. Attend to my words. Incline thine ear into my, thy sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they, why does He want us to do this? For they, my words are life, for they are life. If we want life, we want the Word. If we want the life of God manifested in our lives in different areas, we want the Word, for God's words are life. If we want the healing life that's in the Word of God, we've got to find the healing Word. If we want the delivering power of God in our life, we want to find the Word of God that speaks of deliverance. If we want provisions, whatever that provision may be, we've got to find what the Word says about it because His words are containers of that very life of God that will produce whatever it is that we need. Just take it as a seed. It's a container of the very life and power of God that will produce that which we need in life. So He says, My words are life unto those that find them and health or a healing agent to all their flesh. But now notice... The Word, though, has to be enshrined within the heart. And if the enemy can get us occupied in spirit with other matters, if he can cause us to give attention to other things in the heart and use the energies of the heart in other matters, then what it does, it keeps in check the activity of God's Word and obstructs its development. Look at the next verse. Keep thy heart with all diligence means with persevering application. Keep your heart through persevering application. Protect thy heart diligently because out of it flow the issues of life or the forces of life. Now, this is what we've been instructed to do. Give attention to the Word of God so that the Word of God can have its place within our lives. So that it can produce fruit in our lives. So that it can operate in our lives the way God wants it to operate. Well... It's obvious that if the enemy can get us to give attention to other things, and if we don't protect our hearts diligently and allow those other things in, he'll then be successful in preventing God's Word from being a powerful force. And he'll also reduce the activity of God's involvement within our lives. And although God wants to manifest himself in a powerful way, although he wants to bless us in every area of life, 
Although He wants to manifest Himself in such a way that He meets all of our needs when we have them, He is limited as to what He can do. So let's remember, it's not God who is slow. God is quick to respond to the need of His children. But the thing is, will He find faith on the earth? The thing is, will the Word have its place in the human heart? Will we give Him opportunity to move and to do what He can to help us by allowing His Word to find its place and produce fruit within our lives? Now, that's up to us. Now, what Jesus said back there in Mark was this. He said that if the cares of this world enter in, then the activity of the Word will be choked out. Now, you say, what is he talking about when he talks about the cares of this world? Now, let's make note of this. He's not just talking about that there's a thousand and one things for us to do every single day. You understand that as well as I do. He's not saying that there aren't legitimate things that we all have to do in life. I mean, there are legitimate things that we do on a daily basis, things that need to get done. We're responsible to do things. We're responsible to get things done. How many of you know that you have to work? And you love it, right? We have to work. So obviously he's not talking about spending 24 hours a day in the Word of God alone. He can't be talking about that. How many of you know in the summertime you need to cut the grass? You ever consider cutting the grass a spiritual activity? It depends on your attitude. It can be spiritual in you. I've never heard of a spiritual blade of grass, though. The work needs to get done, doesn't it? How many of you know someone needs to cook? Someone has to do the laundry. I mean, when your suit can walk to church by itself, someone has to do the laundry. How many of you know that? Amen. Those are legitimate things that need to get done. Did you know that? We can go on and on. There's a thousand and one things every single day, things that have got to get done. And we are responsible to do them. But now notice this. Although all those things are out there that need to get done, we don't have to be controlled by them. We can't control what happens to us all the time and all these things that we have to do. But you know what? We can control what happens on the inside of us. It is an attitude of the heart that Jesus is talking about. He said when the cares of this world enter in, enter into what? Enter into us on the inside. It's an attitude of heart that we have. These are legitimate things that need to be done on a daily basis. But yet, we don't have to allow those things that we call duties and responsibilities to get a hold of us in such a way that they affect us negatively in spirit. If we allow that to happen, then we will be giving attention to... And using energies in those matters. 
And the attention that we give and the energies that we use will obstruct the activity of the Word of God. Keep in check the development of the Word of God and the growth of the Word of God in our lives. It's when those things enter in, in the form of worry, in the form of anxiety, fretting, being disturbed, troubled, upheaval within, frustration, all these different things. If the enemy can get us to a place where we become troubled and disturbed about all the things that we face in life, he has us exactly where he wants us, in a place or a position where he will keep in check the growth of God's Word, the development of God's Word, the activity of God's Word. In every good, in every good garden, we realize that there is one thing that is needed to be done. We've got to remove a lot of different things. The stones, the thorns, the thistles, things that will affect in a negative way the development of that plant need to be removed from that soil so that it can become good soil so that the seed can be planted in good soil, good ground, and produce good fruit. Well, beloved... If we allow all these matters that we are confronted with every single day, if we allow them to dictate to our spirit lives in such a way that we give our attention to worry and use our energies in combating worry and anxiety and fretting and frustration, and we are disturbed and anxious on the inside and troubled on the inside from within then the activity level of God's Word will be reduced within our lives. We'll choke out the Word and it will be non-productive. And that's why Jesus was explaining that so that the people would understand. He's not saying, look, just go around with a Bible that is so big you can hardly carry it, put it in a wheelbarrow and take it with you everywhere you go and just keep on reading it 24 hours a day. He didn't mean that. He didn't say, now that you're a Christian, forget about working. All you need to do is just go to Ramah and spend your life down there at Ramah where you don't work or pay your bills. Now, when I went there, that's what it was like for many people. Matter of fact, I had some say, you know what? I don't even think we should have to work. We're going to Ramah. I said, you don't. Well, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat, then you shouldn't eat. Now, we're going to Ramah. We're learning God's Word. How many of you know that when you get involved in, in learning the Word of God, it doesn't mean you're exempt from existing and performing and doing and working? Absolutely not. No, if anything, what it does, it gives us a new outlook on life. And even though you may be cutting the grass, you can pray in the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. No sense praying outside. You couldn't hear yourself anyhow. Just pray on the inside, you know, and have a glow about you while you're doing it. When you're going off to work and you've got all these things that you have to get done, don't let all that pressure that's there and all the attitudes that are there gain entrance into your spirit life. 
See, they had this idea, we don't have to work anymore and put up with all these heathen people that are out there in the work world. They forgot to read the Word of God that says, you are the light of the world. Go in the darkness and let them see the light. Certainly no light is seen when one just chooses not to work and then can't pay bills. See, that's not getting the Word of God on the inside of you. God wants us to, to give attention to His Word so that His Word can have its place in the heart. Good things to make it good soil. And so that we can keep out these bad things, the cares of this world, anxiety, worry, fear, frustration, troubled heart, disturbed in spirit. All these things could remain on the outside, but we have a good attitude on the inside because it's in that atmosphere that the Word of God then will continue its growth, will continue its development, and continue its activity until it does finally produce the result that we want. If people are going to have good soil, then they have to recognize the need to keep out those things that Jesus said will be offensive to the Word of God. And so here we are trying to get an answer to prayer, trying to get a need met, while the heart is filled with worry, frustration, anxiety, troubled spirit. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, troubled on the inside. See, it's not going to work that way. As long as our spirit man on the inside is burdened down and weighed down with the cares of this world, and they've entered in on the inside, got a hold of us on the inside, then it's going to reduce the activity of God's Word. Now, all those things I'm talking about that we need to do on a day-by-day -day basis can be done with a different attitude of heart. The joy of the Lord could be our strength. Just face the reality that we have to do all these things that we have to do. Get a hold of the Word of God and put it on the inside of us and then meditate it throughout the course of the day. The psalmist said, Thy Word have I hid where? In my heart. He carries it with him in his heart on the inside. That why? He would not sin against him. How many know that sin, that worry is a sin? It is acting against the Word of God. Having anxiety and worry dominate our spirit lives is a sin as far as God is concerned. No different than any other kind of sin. It's a sin. And a lot on the inside, as I said, it will reduce the activity of God's Word within our hearts and prevent it from being productive. Well, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. What are we to do? Well, first of all, we'll start with a non-believer. If someone who is out there who is burdened down with the cares of this world, they're weighed down and their spirit is troubled and disturbed, they don't know where to go, who to turn to, how to find help. The cares of this world, I've got good news for you, do not have to dominate and control your life any longer. You can be free from the cares of this world. I didn't say that you can be free from cutting the grass. You can be free from doing the laundry. You can be free from cooking the meals. You can be free from going to work. You can be free from rearing up the children and everything else that goes along with life. 
No one is exempt or free from those things that are our duties and responsibilities. It doesn't mean you're free from developing a good marital relationship with your mate. It doesn't mean you're free from getting an education. It doesn't mean you're free from finding yourself a good local church to attend and, and being an active part of that, regardless of how you feel or what you think. We're all responsible to do all the different things that God wants us to do in life. But we don't have to be burdened down by life circumstances. And that's the message that Jesus is getting across. And if we'll allow the enemy to use those things to affect us in spirit and steal our joy, then that condition within our heart will demand our attention. It'll demand our energy. And if it does get our attention, and if it gets our energy, then what does it do? It keeps in check the activity of the Word. It keeps in check the growth and development of the Word of God. And Jesus says it won't produce fruit. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, the thing to do is found in verse 28. If you're out there, I want you to know that you don't have to be burdened down any longer and that you can be a carefree person. I want you to know that. You can be a carefree person. You say, boy, that doesn't sound real in this society. You can be a carefree person. I said you could be a person without cares and worries and anxieties. I didn't say you can be free from all the activities of life, but you can be free from care and worry and anxiety once and for all. This may sound unrealistic, but you know what? You can live every single day of your life without worry and care. You can be free from all that. You know it puts most people in, more people in hospitals than anything else? Worry. Cares, anxieties, absolutely. See, a condition on the inside that shuts down the, the healing powers of God, not only spiritual healing powers, I, I also believe it affects the natural healing powers of a person in the human realm, in the natural realm. It'll affect the cells of our body in a negative way because it produces, you know, negative forces. And then, of course, that'll lead to what? A stomach ulcer, migraine headaches, and all kinds of other things. Tension. See, all these different things, they have a source. And if a person is troubled in spirit, it will even dry up the bones. The Bible says a broken spirit will dry up the bones. But a merry heart doeth good like a what? Like a medicine. A merry heart. Well, I want you to notice in verse 28, come unto me. There's your answer right there. First step, if you want to be worry-free, care-free, anxiety-free, trouble-free, free from being disturbed, here it is, come unto me. There's no other source for freedom. Jesus is the source. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Crown Jesus Lord of your spirit. I'll tell you what, you get lifted from you, that burden of spiritual death. Glory be to God. You'll be footloose and fancy free. It'll be to you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. How many of you remember that day when you first got saved? The joy that was in your soul. 
It was as if you viewed life through different eyes. I mean, people look a whole lot better. Work and your attitude towards work was a whole lot better. The trees looked more beautiful. The flowers were more meaningful and beautiful to you and more fragrant. Relationships were more meaningful to you. Daily chores and activities weren't a burden to you. You went about running the sweeper in the name of Jesus and glorifying God that I'm saved. I have a brand new life. Hallelujah to Jesus. What about doing the laundry with a smile on your face because there was joy in your heart? You knew you'd be doing it for the rest of your life anyhow. Come on. I said, you knew you'd be doing it for the rest of your life anyhow. You guys looking out there with a long face, you'll be working for the rest of your life. You might as well get used to it. You plan on retiring? Retired means work more. That's what it means. Maybe not where you're getting paid for it, but everybody else got your number. He's retired. Let's give him a call. My dad works more now than he worked down a mill. He's retired. I mean to tell you, if you'd have known this, you'd have stayed working for another 20 years. He quit with 30 years service. He thought he was going to have a break in life. No. He's doing more now. More expected of him right now. You're going to have to work for the rest of your life. No one wants to shrivel up and die. My next door neighbor where we lived, you know, when I was growing up, that fellow was working out in the garden. I'll tell you, that fellow was a good worker, too. My grandfather was a perfect example of a good gardener. He'd sit out there. I remember him, white hair, in his 80s with a cane. I mean to say, he'd just sit out there, and I, I know for a fact. We used to go over the house over there, and he, I mean, his garden was his pride and his joy. And he stood out there, had it all fenced in. I mean, the soil was perfect because he made it perfect. He would sit there with the cane in the chair, and I knew he watched. He watched for weeds to sprout. If one weed was noticed, it had no chance for survival. It's gone. He would sit there in the hot sun, bring himself something to drink, take something with him to drink. He would sit there and watch the garden. Bird didn't have a chance. That cane, he'd knock that thing out. One little weed was, if he saw it, I mean, he would focus in on that thing and it'd be gone. It'd be gone in a second. Then one day he came over and saw my garden. About put him in a hospital with a heart attack. He's went, <laughs> and he looked at me, and in that way that grandfathers can do, one got his cane, he wanted to knock me in the head with the cane. Just looked at me. Well, I was working full time. I'm I just have a child. raising the family and all that. I wasn't all concerned. That wasn't my pride and joy. Well, I just wanted a few tomatoes. That's all I wanted. But for him, it was serious business. He didn't think I gave it enough water. I mean, I watered a week ago. It was only 80 every day. <laughs> He thought there were too many weeds. You could hardly see the plants. I mean, he turned on that hose. He just, and he said, don't turn it off. Ever. <laughs> Let the water run. He knew how to do it. And of course, he had good results. He had tremendous results. Best garden, best produce. I mean, he had the best results because he took care of it. He, put, he applied himself. He put a lot of effort into it. 
So no matter what it is, you're going to work for the rest of your life, guys out there. So put a smile on your face and go to work with a different disposition. Don't let work get you. You get to work. And when you get there, take Jesus with you. Take the joy of the Lord with you. I mean, it's said, be a good gardener. Protect your heart through diligent application. Realize you'll be doing it. If you're not doing it in one place, you'll be doing it in another place. And if you think people are better on the other place, you've got another thought coming. Just know people. It doesn't matter where you go. People are imperfect beings. No matter where you go, no matter where you work. We're not going to get delivered from people as long as we're living in the realm of people. Did you know that? But we, can't, we can prevent people from getting, and attitudes getting a hold of us on the inside. So get used to the fact that you're going to be involved with relationships all the rest of your life. We're going to be doing all these tours for the rest of our lives. We're going to be involved in all kinds of activities for the rest of our lives. And so we're going to have to organize ourselves in spirit to see to it that we, like my grandfather, a good and great gardener, will see to it that we sit there with our cane and remove all those things that offend the operation of the Word of God. Get them out. Now, this is going to be harsh. It's going to be strong. Anything that gets in is our fault. Because we let it in. It has no right to enter until we open the door. Do you know that? The mailman comes, UPS comes knocking on your door. You can open up and say, come on in, I'll take it. Or you can shut the door and say, I don't want it. Take it back. Same thing with the door of our heart. If we open up the door and say, come on in, worry, come on in, fear, come on on, come on in. I want to be disturbed today. I got up this morning and I just couldn't wait to get troubled. Come on in. I'm telling you, the, the world will oblige you. Did you know that? The cares of this world will find their lodging in your heart if you allow it. Just can't make, I just can't wait to meet somebody today who's going to have a bad attitude. Speak cross words to me. See, they can do that, beloved. It's up to us as to whether or not we allow it to gain entrance into our hearts. It's our responsibility and duty as individuals to open or close the door of our heart to good and bad things. We close it to bad things. We open it to good things. If we don't open it to good things, then the bad things will come in. If we open it to good things, we can keep the bad things out. It's up to us to be good gardeners. And if we're not good gardeners watching the soul of our own heart, may I ask you who's going to do it for us? I never saw one person sit on my grandfather's chair and say, I'll watch a garden for you today. I'll take care of any weed that sticks up its head. You know why? No one was interested in his garden. Not like he was. No one was proud of his garden, not like he was. No one was involved with his garden, not like he was. To him, it was something valuable. To him, it meant staying alive another day. To him, it was precious. Beloved, how do you view your own spirit life? How do you view your own heart? That is, its soil. Do you want it to be good soil? Is your spirit condition valuable and precious to you? What activity do you want inside your heart? Do you want the 
cares of this world to enter in, to choke out the Word of God, so that you can walk around being disturbed, troubled, frustrated, anxious, fretful, worrisome. See, it's up to us. There isn't anything, any force, any person, there isn't enough power in, in all the realms of life to gain control over our spirit lives without our permission and consent. All we've got to do is be good gardeners. Number one, come to Jesus. Jesus, I make you Lord of my heart. And when one does that, beloved, he removes the heavy burden. He puts a song in the heart. He puts joy in the heart. He puts peace in the heart and fulfillment in the heart and contentment in the heart and satisfaction in the heart. He fills the heart with good things. And that hasn't changed for any one of us. Jesus has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And beloved, right now, 20 years after salvation, if we find ourselves moping about through life, if we find ourselves irritable, if we find ourselves less or not as, as much like Christ, but less than what we were when we first got saved, something is wrong. We've not been good gardeners. The plan of the enemy is working. It's time to say something has to change. It's time to say I consider my spirit life valuable. I consider it precious. If we want more of the activity of God in our lives, the healing power, the delivering power, the helping power of God, whatever it is, the character of Christ in our lives, we've got to be good gardeners. And we've got to get a hold of God's Word and give it its place within our spirit lives by giving attention to it and energies to it. But if we give our attention and energies to the cares of this world and allow those things to frustrate us within, then, beloved, it'll choke out the Word. And the Word will not have its rightful place and there will not be productivity. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength once again, praise God. He said, come to me, ye the heavy, heavy laden, I'll, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, hook up with me, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, you'll find rest unto your souls, my yoke is easy, the burden is light. You won't be weighed down. He didn't say that they would all disappear. All the situations that we encounter, all the circumstances, all the duties and responsibilities. But he did say you wouldn't be burdened down anymore. Because I'll give you another power to operate in. It's called the force of life. My words are life unto those that find them. My words are health unto all their flesh. I'll give you the life of my word. I'll give you my power. I'll give you my ability. I'll give you my strength. It's in seed form. Will you take it? Will you plant it? Will you protect it? Will you care for it? Will you watch over it that it may be 30, 60, and a hundredfold effective? Hallelujah. That's what he's saying to us. And then, 1 Peter chapter 5. Jesus said, don't have heart trouble. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Notice, don't let it. Don't let it. Let not your heart, let not your heart. Who holds the key? We do. Let not your heart, let not your heart. I need not let my heart be troubled. I need not let, let my heart be fearful. I need not let my heart be disturbed. I don't have to allow my heart be filled with. The cares of this life and this world. I've got to be responsible to do all my duties. But I don't have to let those things control my spirit life. I don't have to. 
I'm hooked up with Jesus and therefore I don't have to. I have a helper in this life. And so do you. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, this is the Amplified Bible. Notice verse 6 and 7. The next thing we have to do after we hook up with Jesus, He removes the burden of spiritual death and puts within us a joy unspeakable, full of glory. The next thing we have to do is to learn how to cast all our care upon Him. He didn't say you wouldn't have care coming your way. He wouldn't say that you wouldn't be tempted to be full of care and full of worry and full of anxiety because He knew we we would be confronted with all the duties and activities of life. He knew that we would be tempted to be full of care and worry and frustration and trouble and we'd be disturbed and all that. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves and lower yourselves into the, in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He may exalt you, casting the whole of your care. Well, that's what we have to do. We've come to Jesus, and now we've got to learn to cast the whole of our care. One woman says, I'll give him half my care. One woman says, I'll give him a part of my care. And no, Jesus didn't say that. Or the Word of God by the Spirit of God didn't say that. He said, cast the whole of your care. I want to be carefree. God is saying, I want you to be worry-free. I want you to be carefree. I want you to be trouble-free. I don't want you disturbed inside your spirit. I want you to experience freedom in spirit so that you can have the, the growth, activity, development of my Word in life inside you. Cast the whole of your care. You see, if we didn't have something to do with it that would be productive, beloved, then we would be full of trouble and care and worry and anxiety because who else could we depend upon to help us? There's nobody to help us, so we've got to take the care and the worry. But he said right here, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all of your worries, your concerns, once and for all. He is saying you can make a decision to cast the whole of your care, all of life's cares, all of life's burdens, all of life's concerns, all of life's worries. I choose to be free from worry. I choose to be free from concern and anxiety and all these different things he is saying. You can learn to cast those cares upon him that is on the Father God. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. That's something we've got to get on the inside of us. Say it with me. My father cares for me affectionately and about me watchfully. That means he's watching over us. He cares for us affectionately. We have his affection and watchfully. See, he's just like my grandfather there watching. He says, but I just can't take control unless you give me control. I can't lord it over your heart and reign in your heart unless you allow me. So let not your heart be full of trouble. Let not your heart be full of fear. But let your heart be troubled and fear free. How? By casting the whole of your care on me because I care for you and about you. Put it on me. I'll take care of the burden. I'll carry the load. How many of you know that God's bigger than we are? Absolutely. So he says, put it on me. We're yoked up together anyhow. Put it on me. I'll take care of the burden. You just go ahead and operate in the joy. We've got to learn how to do that. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 6. We do it by faith. We do it by prayer and humility. We do it by faith, by prayer and humility. That's how we do it. 
In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. And he said in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That might be a little bit blind to us. In the Amplified Bible, he says it this way. Matthew 6, 25. Amplified Bible. Therefore I say, or I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life and the necessities of life. If he says we can stop being uneasy, anxious, and worried, then we can. Well, in verse 31, notice in the same teaching, he tells us how not to take worry into our lives. Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, How does one become full of worry and anxiety? How does one become fretful? By saying, They're out there. Situations and problems and duties and responsibilities. But one becomes full of worry one allows entrance into the heart by saying, What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to take care of this situation? What are we going to do about that problem? We've got this to contend with. We've got that concern. We've got this. We've got all these other things. And the more a person keeps talking about it, and the more the person keeps saying it, he gives entrance of those things into his heart. Protect your heart with all diligence. Don't take the thought. Don't take the care. Don't take the worry. Don't take the anxiety. Don't be troubled. Don't be disturbed by saying. He says, God knows you have need of all those things. Let your heart be consumed with discovering the operation of the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God in your life. And those other things will be taken care of by your Father who loves you. We do this by faith, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We learn that God, our Father, loves us. He cares for us. He is in control of our lives. He watches over us, affectionately cares for us and about us. And therefore, we can turn to Him because He gave birth to us. And therefore, He is not an infidel. God, our Father, is willing and eagerly yearning to involve himself in all the affairs of our lives and to see to it that he causes things to change for our good. And if we would just recognize that and start saying, how many of you know you can say positive as well as negative? How many of you know we can say we can pay our bills as well as we can't pay our bills? When we say we can't pay our bills, we can't pay our bills, the emphasis is on we and our inability. But when we say, thank God, we can pay our bills because we serve a mighty God. We take it off of our shoulders and put it upon Him. And then when we look and see how big He is, beloved, what does it do to us on the inside? It produces that joy. That's good soil. That's good ground. And the Word begins to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. What are we going to eat? Don't know what we're going to eat. We can't seem to find anything to eat. We don't have any money to buy anything to eat. 
We can say we can as well as we can't. Just as easy. But when we say we can't, what we're saying is we, in our own ability and strength, maybe can't, we can't foresee, we, we have no way, no means. But beloved, when we say we can because the God that we serve supplies all of our needs, it changes the whole thing, the whole picture. It gives us a whole new perspective. God wants us to, to trust Him with our lives and to know He's not an infidel and that He is here to meet every human need that we have if we would only give Him entrance by acting upon His Word. We do it by prayer. And that is the prayer of commitment. Turn with me quickly. Philippians 4, 6. Real quick. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. Verse 6 in the Amplified Bible says it a little bit differently. It will help us better understand it. And the Amplified, it says it this way. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition or divine or definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your ways known, once known to God. In other words, God is our Father. And since He is, He has a full supply. So don't be full of care, worry, fretting, and anxiety. Don't be troubled in heart and disturbed in spirit. He's saying don't do that. But in every circumstance and situation, whatever it is that you are confronted with in life, learn to go to the Father. And beloved, please make note of this. This is one prayer that you can pray for yourself alone. You only. You're the only one that can pray this prayer. It is called the prayer of commitment that works by faith. This is learning to pray the prayer of commitment. I commit whatever it is. This situation, I'm putting it in your hands. I'm casting my care, the worry, the concern about this situation, this matter, this circumstance. I'm putting it in your hands, my Father God. It is called the prayer of commitment that works by faith because faith makes prayer work. And so you turn it over to Him and say, Here, Father God, we can't pay the bills in our own ability and strength. We don't have the resources or the means right now. And so we look to you, Father God. I am putting this in your hands. I'm casting the care of this burden over on you. I give it to you, dear Father God. I don't want it. I'm giving it to you. It is yours right now. I'm making my request to you. I, I'm looking to handle this situation right now and provide that which is necessary for us to, to pay the rent or buy the food or whatever it is. I give it over to you, dear Father God. I refuse to allow worry Tenor in. I will not be troubled. Look at this real quick. Philippians. I'm sorry. Going back to the book of Psalms. It's a prayer that works by faith. In Psalms 37. And verse 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. The prayer of commitment means I'm putting it in your hands. How many of you know that that's also an act of humility? That's called drawing nigh to God that He may draw nigh to us. 
I'm putting this matter in your hands. I am incapable in my own frame, makeup, strength, resources to have this need met. I humble myself to you. I commit it to you. It's yours. Would to God we'd have enough faith to believe and trust to believe in Him as we do in a savings and loan institution. You walk and put your money in the bank and you walk right out the bank and don't even think if they're going to rob you or not. You just believe they're going to take care of it. You don't get halfway down the street and going back and start screaming at the people, accusing them of, of, of not dealing with, the situ- with your money and handling it properly. If you had distrust and you wouldn't take it there in the first place, would you? Savings and trust, savings and loan. But you know what, beloved? We walk up to the Father, to His throne, say, Father, here's my problem. I turn it over to you. It's in your hands right now, and I trust that you can take care of it. You walk away for about two minutes, and you, before you, 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 know, you even think, you start saying, well, I, I don't know what we're going to do about this. Dear God, in he- what are we going to do about this now? Did you not forget that you gave it to the one who created you? Did you forget, do we forget, do we forget that he is more dependable than a savings and loan institution? He is more trustworthy? Can we trust him with that little situation in our lives and believe that he will bring about a result? Beloved, if you want to get worry-free in a quick hurry, start meditating on how big your God is. And how much He loves you. And how much He cares about you. And humble yourself before His almighty hand. And say, Father, I'm giving you this care right now. And I'm not taking it back. You know why? Because I believe that you are more trustworthy than a savings and loan institution. And you're bigger than any bank that I deal with. And I believe that once I turn something over into your hands, I believe that you have the resources. I believe you have the the love and care and concern for my life to see to it that the job gets done. I don't have to check up on you like I have to check up on my kids. If you tell your kid to do something, you might have to check up on him a few times. But if you tell your father, I'm giving this over to you, you don't have to check up on him. You can trust him. Amen. He can be trusted. I'm giving you my valuables, Father. I trust you. You know what? He loves that. He rejoices over that. I mean, he rejoices over that. He is pleased. The Bible says without that, you can't please Him. Without faith, I trust you. Look at it that way. I pray this prayer. I trust you with my problem. It's now your problem. It's in your hands. I'm carefree. I'm worry-free. I just thank you for the results. Oh, thank you for the results. Thank you, dear Father God, for the money to pay the bills. Thank you, dear Father God, for the food to eat. Thank you, dear Father God, for the need met, whatever it is. Oh, and I think on things that are good and lovely and and wonderful and of good report. And a peace of God garrisons about my heart and mind and just protects my heart so diligently. Oh, hallelujah. It's a peace the world did not give. Someone will come and start shaking you and say, what, are you some kind of lunatic? Can't you see what's happening all around you? Can't you see how the, your world is falling apart? And you can look him right eyeball to eyeball, square in the face, and just say, well, I turned it all over to my God and my Father. And if he can't handle it, he's not big enough to handle it, I might as well just go on to be with him and, and, and because there's nobody big enough that I know bigger than him to handle the problem or the situation. 
I just want you to know, just to let you know right here and right now that he's big and he's, he's taking care of the situation. And I'm not going to be full of worry, fretting, anxiety, fear, trouble. I'll not be disturbed for one moment because my God who is big and more than enough is on the case. He's in control of the situation. Hallelujah. I trust him. Let him know you trust him. I trust you, Father God. I trust you. You are faithful to your word, and I trust you, Father God. Hallelujah. And you start saying, thank you, Father God. I don't have to see it to believe it. you got his undivided attention. He loves it when his people, his children, live with faith. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.